the secretary of the church reported no real growth in the church. Things were settled round about 120 members. They still hadn't acquired a building yet, and they were still meeting in the second floor room that they were renting in the city. Having said that, there was a good spirit in the prayer meeting, and there had been some good discussion about a leadership role that needed to be filled, and uh, they had filled that position. Beside that, there was not much happening. The task of reaching their community outside of their walls um, seemed to be beyond them. Finance was a bit of a problem, and there was a lot of fear. And the fact was that outside of their room, there was a culture that had very little room for them and wouldn't give them the time of day. Now, I don't know whether you've experienced a church like that, but that was the reality of the one and only church that existed at the end of Acts chapter 1 in the New Testament of the Bible. They were about 120 good people who believed that Jesus had died for their sins and had arose from the dead and had ascended to heaven. They had met together in this little room in Jerusalem and they were essentially full of fear and focused in on themselves because the city really was against them and against the message of their leader, Jesus. They had an organization that enabled them to meet for fellowship, but as they were, there was nothing about them and there was nothing happening that could bring them to the place where they were making a difference in their community and in their world. You join us today on week five of a series that we've called Soul Rescue. And today we're going to look at the subject of soul help, Holy Spirit power. Now, Jesus had spoken of an event that would happen that would change the church in Jerusalem... And every Christian after that, and every church after that. He said, the event that will happen will change your lives. But not only that, it will not only change your church, it will change every church that is open to a movement of Holy Spirit. You can read what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1. He said in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He was talking, of course, about the baptism of Holy Spirit. While the 120 didn't have long to wait before this event came about, the event that Jesus had promised would happen, happened. Just 10 days after Jesus had ascended to heaven and 50 days after Easter, on a day that they called Pentecost, it was called Pentecost because it was a Jewish holiday. It was a time when people would gather and celebrate the coming of harvest. It was a time, if you will, like a harvest celebration weekend. So this was a huge celebration in Jerusalem, and the city, according to the Scripture, was packed with people. 
Acts chapter 2 and verse 5 tells us from every nation under heaven. So there were people from every nation under heaven that was gathered in that place and then suddenly it happened. Just give your attention to the screen if you will. Now I want you to this morning, if you will, to picture yourself as one of the 120 that were gathered in that upper room. And I want to try to describe to you what happened there. I want to describe what they heard and also what they saw and what they experienced. And when we've looked at those three things, I want to just bring it to a close by asking the question, what does that mean for us today in our generation and in our church. So firstly, what they heard. It says in Acts 2 and verse 1 and 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, you know, the, New, the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language, and the one word that is translated wind uh, is the same word that is used for breath and for spirit. It's the old Hebrew word ruach. And it sounds like it means ruach, a breath, wind, spirit. In the ancient world, in their minds, the sound of wind reminded them of, a, of a, in an enlarged way of the sound of breath. So whenever you read in the scripture of something unusual happening, like what happened on the day of Pentecost, when this mighty rushing wind came into that room in Acts chapter 2, we need to ask the question, well, where in Scripture did anything like this happen before? When you see something happening and you say, that's unusual, you ask the question, where else in Scripture did something like this happen? And the answer actually is that something like happened with the wind coming and filling that room. Something like that happened twice before in the Scripture. The first place that you find it is actually way back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2. And in that chapter, you read that God formed man of the dust. In other words, he formed the, uh, the figure of a man in the dust of the ground. And it lay there, a lifeless, dead corpse. It was just formed in the ground. Genesis 2, 7, it says there, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And then it says this, And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The word breathed there is the word ruach. It is that he breathed in the breath of life. If you like, friends, God gave Adam the kiss of life. He breathed into him and he became a living human being. The next place that you read something like this happening, is, uh, like happened at Pentecost, is in John's Gospel, chapter 20. Jesus was speaking and he was explaining to them what it would be like on the day of Pentecost. And he said, this is what it's going to be like and in verse 22, he say, it says that he breathed on them 
and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So he said what it's going to be like is that, uh, and he breathed on them, and, and he said that's what's going to happen when Holy Spirit is sent down from heaven. He was saying, I am going to ascend to heaven, I'm ascending back to the Father, and after that I'm going to breathe out my Spirit upon you and into you. I'm going to breathe on you from heaven And he breathed on them in that scripture in John 20 to illustrate what was going to happen. And I feel sure as that mighty rushing wind filled that room on the day of Pentecost, it would be that they would remember Jesus' words when he told them what was going to happen. Now when you put Genesis 2 and Acts chapter 2 together, you will see an amazing thing that was happening here on the day of Pentecost. In Genesis chapter 2, there was a body, but there was no life in that body. And it was that it just lay there lifeless. But God breathed into it, and it became a living body. In Acts chapter 2, there's another body. It is in fact called the church, the body of Christ. It is a spiritually lifeless body as you look at it in Acts chapter 1. Much like the body of Adam in Genesis chapter 2. It is simply there inside closed doors. It is scared. It is fearful. It is well organized. It does not have life going in it that is going to now impact the world. It was a body that met together in fear, well organized, but the fact was it was not affecting the then known world. So God breathed his breath, his wind, his spirit into that body in Acts chapter 2. It wasn't a little breath. It says that it was like the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It was the mighty Holy Spirit of God that filled every one of them. It was the life of heaven invading earth. It was the mighty Holy Spirit of Christ coming into his church, his body. The church from that day, friends, became more than any organization. It became more than a a little group meeting together. It became a power-filled body of Christ on earth that was able now to see signs and wonders and miracles happening that caused it to explode in growth and to be taken to the ends of the earth. It was the supernatural life of God that filled every one of them. Now, you might ask, didn't the 120 that were in the upper room have the life of God before this day? I have people saying, are you saying that, that they weren't saved and before the day of Pentecost? And I, I'm not saying that. In fact, hey, listen, read my lips. They were believers before the day of Pentecost. Why do I need to say, read my lips? Because I've been accused of saying, unless you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that you're not saved. I'm not saying that. Let me say it again, friends. It is a significantly different thing to be filled with Holy Spirit than it is to to be saved. So they were saved. They were followers of Jesus. But they were in fear. And they were locked in this room. And failing to believe that they could affect their then known world. But then Holy Spirit came. 
And the fact was that there was life breathed into that body. Yeah. You know, I have, I have sat many times with someone as they are coming close to dying and their breathing has been shallow and they are gasping for air. On the other hand, I've watched Olympic runners as they've run the 100 meters and as they are running, they are filling their lungs with air, with huge amounts of air. And, 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 and in that 10 seconds that they run that race, they're taking in huge amounts of air. And their whole body is vibrating with life as they have taken in huge amounts of air. Now when you look at the day of Pentecost... Before Holy Spirit came, the body was there but barely alive. The body of Christ, the church, was barely alive. But then this mighty Holy Spirit came as a mighty wind blowing on them, bringing that sickly group back up to life. The life of God, the Holy Spirit now filled them and they were never the same again. They were never the same again. When it was that Holy Spirit filled their lives. So that's what they heard. Now look at what they saw. It says in the scripture that what they saw first of all was what looked like a ball of fire. But then verse 3 says then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. So this ball of fire appears and then it divides up into like tongues of fire and it begins to settle on each of them. But you notice it doesn't say that any of them got burnt. So we ask again the question, where before in the Bible did something like this happen? Where before was there fire but nothing got burned up? Well, my mind went back to Moses at the burning bush. You'll find that story in Exodus chapter 3. It says there that the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Every other fire that Moses had seen had burned up what was ever creating the fuel for the fire. So if a bush caught fire, it was that the bush would burn until the bush was consumed. Uh, consumed. But now this bush was alight, but the bush wasn't being consumed. It was that this fire that was burning did not need fuel to keep burning. You know, there was a huge fire in Texas this past week or so, and a fuel storage place caught on fire. And it burned for days. And they said they had to wait till all the fuel was consumed. And when the fuel was consumed, the fire went out. But Moses saw this bush. It burned but did not rely on the bush for its fuel. The fire had life in itself. How many know that God has life in himself? He relies on no one to give him life. He sustains all life because he is life. Now, if you note that Moses, before this event, he was a believer. 
Before he saw that burning bush, he was a believer. He was a man whose life was counting on following God, but actually his life was counting for very little. There was no purpose attached to his life. He had come to faith through his mother and the teaching of his mother. He had been surrounded by amazing privileges as he grew up in the palace of Pharaoh there in Egypt. He had built a successful life for himself, but after he got into a bit of trouble, he had to run for his life, and he moved away from Egypt, and he settled down in the backside of a desert, the Bible says, and he he just drifted into what you could call semi-retirement in a desert area, and um, it was that to all intent and purposes, he lived a pretty meaningless life as far as God was concerned. The Bible says he was living at the backside of the desert. He was 70 years of age and going nowhere. And then God comes down in this fire that settled upon the bush. And he said, Moses, I've got something for you to do. I didn't create you to move into this self-absorbed life that you're enjoying in the backside of the desert I didn't create you just to drift out of life and and, and to just waste your life. You're in the backside of the desert. He says, while you've been enjoying yourself here, I'm hearing the cries of my people in Egypt as they're groaning under the severe torture of being slaves in Egypt. And I want you to go and bring deliverance to my people. Now what you see in here is the same position of the church in Acts chapter 1. At the end of Acts chapter 1, the church is a fine group of believing people. They have wonderful services, great prayer meetings. But there is nothing happening through this church that was advancing God's kingdom through the earth They are having their organization and they're having their wonderful fellowship and they're having great prayer meetings. But God's kingdom is not advancing. It is that they are not bringing deliverance to the lost people who are outside of their four walls. It is that they are self-consumed and self-now taken up with self. But suddenly this fire appears 1,500 years after Moses, the same fire, but notice something that was totally different and new. It says the fire fell on each of them. See, when the first fire appeared, it was that now, it was that um, they, they would immediately, when they saw that ball of fire, they would immediately wonder. I wonder what, where the fire is going to settle. They would remember the fire that happened with Moses in in the wilderness. They would remember that God was going to speak to this leader. 
And now they were wondering who is the leader that God is going to speak to amongst our 120. They thought, I wonder if it will be Peter. I wonder if it will be James or maybe it will be John. And they wondered where this fire would settle and now it would come on a leader. But notice what happened, friends. It was totally different. There was, uh, it was that it says that the fire fell on each of them. It didn't settle on one particular leader. It now settled on the whole of the people gathered together. Oh, I love this. I love this, friends. It tells me that God is not looking for some superhero leader. He is looking for the people of God, fired by the power of God. Every one of us moving with the anointing of God. His answer was to put the fire on every one of the 120 in that room and to send them out, each one fired up by the baptism of the Holy Spirit to bring life and deliverance to everyone that they got in touch with and to communicate it with everyone in the city and beyond to the utmost parts of the earth. Oh, imagine if you were there and suddenly you feel the fire of God coming upon you and you suddenly realize that God has purpose for my one and only life. And you're there and and you were expecting it to be Peter or James or John, but suddenly the fire is on you. And now you are saying, God has purpose for my life. It's not just for selected leaders. It's for everyone that will receive Holy Spirit, everyone that will be open to the fire of God. Because I want to tell you, friends, the fire of God burning in you will change your world. So now you will be taken out of a self-absorbed life and used in ministry to the young and to the old and to those around you and maybe to the ends of the earth. There will be that God will show you that you are vital to what he wants doing. Because I want to tell you this morning that God is hearing the cries of millions of people outside uh, uh, of these four walls, thousands and thousands in Peoria, uh, and and millions and millions around the world that are crying out. uh, They are crying out for an answer. And the thing, if we keep it in these four walls, friends, we are losing it altogether. God wants to use you, and he wants to use me to take his gospel to the ends of the earth, beginning in your street, beginning in in your community and then to the communities of the world. So recapping very quickly, first of all, life was breathed into a dead body. And secondly, God's fire brings life and directing purpose. And now they know that they are meant for purpose in their world. And then one final remarkable thing happened They spoke with other tongues and other languages. It says there that in Acts 2, 4, all of them, say that with me, all of them. All right, now you're saying that as if you don't believe it, all right? Or you're saying it as if you don't want it to happen to you, all right? But but come on, say it with me, all. So how, how many people does God want to fill? All right, and how many does he want to fill in here? All of us. It says, and and they they were filled with Holy Spirit and and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
So let's look at this amazing event and ask the question again. Where in the Bible do we see something like this happening before? Well, if you go back to Genesis again, and Genesis chapter 11, where mankind has now increased in the earth, the Scripture says, and where mankind had decided to rebel against God's leadership and to rebel against God, and that rebellion was gaining momentum And they decided that they would build a tower called the Tower of Babel that would reach up to God and even dethrone God from his throne. At that time, it was that mankind only had one language. And God saw the rebellion and actually came down and he broke the rebellion by introducing a confusion of mankind speaking multiple languages. Now that must have been a very strange day when that happens, don't you think? Imagine that you were a part of a group that were working on building the building site at Babel as they made this tower. And so you've been working with the same group of people for months now and you've enjoyed talking to them and having your lunch breaks with them and, um, and, and it is that um, you've really got to know them well but then one day you come to work and you find that the guy who you've talked to for months is now suddenly speaking what is a load of gibberish in your ears. And then you find the others are doing the same things. They're all looking at you even as you talk because they hear you and it's gibberish that's coming out of your mouth as well. Well, you could imagine the confusion that happened there and until suddenly you meet someone that is speaking the same language that you are speaking and understand and then another and another that speak in the same language and so these groups got together that they found they had the same language Uh, And now they began to move out and start their own communities around the world. All over these groups were splitting up and leaving with the people who spoke the same language as them. And so it was they went off to the north, the south, the east and the west to begin their own communities. That's what happened in Genesis 11. In Acts 2, exactly the opposite happened. It says in Acts 2, 5, and 6 that there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, listen, from every nation under heaven. And so because of this celebration, because of this great harvest thing that was happening, it was that there were people from all over the world that gathered from every nation under heaven. And it says, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the 120 began speaking in languages that they had never learned. The same thing that happened at Babel. And the results were different. At Babel, it was the tongues were a judgment from God because of rebellion and caused confusion and a scattering of people to the four corners of the earth. 
at Pentecost, this was a blessing from God that brought a great understanding of the love of Jesus to the whole world because those people began to hear this 120 speaking the wonderful truths of Jesus, the wonderful story of the gospel. Folk in Jerusalem from every nation are amazed and said, this is amazing. These are uneducated folk. And they're able to communicate with me in my language the wonderful things about God. And the results was that people are brought together in common faith. And you know, friends, in that one day, that group of 120 believers grew to 3,120 That group of 120 believers as they spilled out of that upper room and they began to talk in these languages that God had given them was now seeing people come to Jesus. It was bringing people together from every country, every nation, every tongue. And the fact was that the church grew by 3,000 people. At Babel in Genesis 11, God uses languages to stop men's rebellion and to slow down the advance of man's kingdom. But in Acts chapter 2, at Pentecost, God uses language to unite people and to speed up the advance of God's kingdom. Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that day in Jerusalem, 3,000 people got it. They got the truth of Jesus. And the gospel went to the whole four corners of the planet. So on the day of Pentecost, God took a church that looked like a lifeless corpse God took a church that could do no more than simply have human organization. And and, and it was that now he breathed into it. He breathed life into it. So now they could say that God is among us. I want to tell you, friends, I want Riverside to be known as a place where the presence of God is. And I want the people of God to go out of here saying, God is with me. God is going with me. I don't leave him in church. I go and God goes with me. His presence is with me. The fact was that he put holy fire inside of the church. And now people went out of that church with purpose and a realization that they could be used by God to do signs and wonders and miracles, that it could be that God could use them to bring many into the kingdom of God. It gave people a reason for existing. It wasn't just that they existed to get their pension put away. It wasn't that they existed just to now be a family on earth. No, friends, God was showing them, I've got a higher purpose for you. I want to use you and your family to extend my kingdom throughout the world. And now people lived with purpose. They had a reason for existing. He enabled them to speak languages that none of them had ever learned. It was a supernatural miracle. Not just for a few leaders, but for all of them. They all spoke in tongues. 
He showed them and us that the Holy Spirit's power was never intended to entertain Christians. It was meant to take the message of Jesus to the whole world. There are many people who say to me, we need to see more of the Holy Spirit in our church. We need to see more of God doing things in our church. We need more wonders and signs and miracles in our church. It's my belief, friends, that the gifts of Holy Spirit were given not to be consumed on Christian entertainment in the church. They were given so that we could go out and see people healed and delivered and set free. And where it is that words of knowledge and words of wisdom are given and people are brought in into the kingdom of God and brought to the deliverance that only Jesus can bring. See, I want miracles and wonders and signs happening right here in Riverside, but I want them more happening out there, friends. I want to see our city one for Jesus. I want to see our world impacted for Jesus. So the day of Pentecost was a totally remarkable day. The things they heard, the things they saw, and the thing that they experienced in the mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now the question has to be answered, what has that got to do with us? And the answer to that is everything. You see, God does not change. He is still wanting his church to be a living body and not a dead corpse. He is still wanting every one of us to be involved in taking his message to the world. He still wants every one of us experiencing this mighty, amazing baptism of power that is supernatural power that is not of our own making but comes as a supernatural event from God that causes us to be filled with the Spirit. And can I say this without you hating me? I believe that God wants us all to speak in tongues. I believe that from the bottom of my heart. On the day of Pentecost, they were known languages. (laughs) I have people say to me, you know, you say it was unknown tongues. They spoke in unknown tongues. But, But everyone in the city of Jerusalem knew what they were saying. There were people who heard what they were saying. They they were speaking in languages of the earth as if it was less of a miracle for someone who has never learned a language to suddenly be talking in a language. I want to tell you, friends, when they spoke in other tongues, those in the upper room, they didn't know the languages they were speaking. They become known when they went out into the streets and they found that people out there were understanding them. But as they received that tongue in the upper room that they didn't know what what that tongue was. It's no less a miracle because it was known tongues as if it was unknown tongues. You know, in one of the churches that I pastored in the UK, we had an elder that um, had a, a terrific burden for Hindu people Actually, Indian Hindus, there were about 30,000 Indians uh, from India, not red Indians, that, that lived in our city. And, um, and, and, he, and he used to go into the park, this elder would go into the park every lunchtime, and um, in the park there would be hundreds and hundreds of Indian people that would sit on the grass, they'd be playing cards or eating their lunch and, 
uh, and they would gather there at the, in, in the midday, right there in the park, and, and this elder would walk around the park praying. He, he would walk praying, asking God to speak to these Indian people and bring them the truth of the gospel. Well, one day he was in the park and and he had walked around for a while and, and he saw a park bench and there were two Indians sitting on one end of the bench and he, he sat down on the bench and, and, and while he was there he continued praying but he, he got so overcome with an emotion of prayer that suddenly he begins to pray out loud in tongues. He begins to pray his prayer language and and, and, and suddenly another guy comes up to these two guys because the two guys on the park bench at the other end of the park bench, they are now crying their eyes out. They are bawling. They are weeping. And so this guy comes and he talks with them for a minute and then he comes around to my elder and he says, what are you doing? And, and the elders, he said, oh, I'm praying. He said, well, well, you just spoke in, in clear Hindi and you told these two guys that, that Jesus loved them, that he wanted to forgive their sin, that he died for them on the cross and that they need to repent of their sin and give their hearts and lives to Jesus and now they want to become Christians. Oh. The end of that story is, is that elder went and he talked with them and this guy kindly translated and he led them to Jesus right there in the park and those two guys are still following Jesus to this day. Oh yeah, friends. So tongues can sometimes be in a known tongue that it is that it's a, a, a tongue that comes to you that you have never learned, that you've never understood uh, but that you speak it out in faith, as you saw in that, that uh, video, they were praying and suddenly they began speaking in a language they never learned. And friends, it's as, uh, I nearly said, as simple as that, it's as much of a step of faith as that. They spoke in tongues of men. But I want to give you one more scripture before we're out of here. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1, it says this. If I could speak all the languages of earth, the tongues of men. If I could speak all the languages of earth. And then it says this, and of angels. But didn't love others, I would be like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And we know that's the love chapter of the Bible. And we totally agree with what it says. You can have everything in the way of being able to speak in tongues and everything else. But if you haven't got love, it's just noise. But notice what it says, if I could speak in all the languages of the earth and of angels. Sometimes when people get filled with Holy Spirit and they begin to pray, it is not a language that can be understood on earth. In fact, again, some people may say it's gibberish. Some people may, may say it's a made-up language. But the fact is, the person speaking it knows that they are talking to God because the Bible says, he who speaks in an unknown tongue talks to God. Now, as we close out here today, I just got a couple of questions to ask you. Would you say, as you look at the people in Acts chapter 1, remind you, 
organized pray, praying people. They've got leaders. and That church in Acts chapter 1, would you say that you in your life right now would be a part of that church or would you be a part of the Acts 2 church that is now filled with the fire of God, filled with the power of God, and you're living with purpose and direction and a reason for being alive. And it is that you are receiving an inflow of the Holy Spirit into your life and that you are changing your world. Church in Acts chapter 2, with all the joy that they had, says they were committed to the apostles' teaching and were living with purpose. They were giving with generosity and they were changing the then known world. They were changing the world for Jesus Christ. So which group would you say that you belong to? Would you say I'm part of the Acts 1 church or the Acts 2 church? Would you say I'm a part of this organized group that's just meeting together? We have lovely fellowship and we have prayer meetings and we do this, that. But the world outside is not being affected by you. Because you're scared and you say we haven't got the power to do that. Well, God comes and He says, I'm offering you power. I'm offering you a fresh anointing. I'm offering you the fire of God. And I'm offering you new tongues that you can talk to me with. Huh. Do you need to pray? Oh God, breathe on me again. Send your fire to me again. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. And use me to change my world. Uh, I I have to tell you this, you know. I've gone through seasons where it's as if... um, the coal or the piece of wood that's on the fire has fallen out into the hearth and now it's out of the fire and it just it's just there and it's losing power and 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 um, it's just becoming like ashes and uh, and I've had to come to God and say God I feel as if I've fallen out of the fire will you pick me up again and put me back into the fire I want your fire to burn in me again, God. I have had to do that a number of times. And in fact, I've prayed. And and I can't give you a chapter and verse for this. I can't tell you where it's in the Bible. But I've gone to God and he's very gracious with me and some of my requests sometimes. And I said, God, you know, when I was first baptized in Holy Spirit, uh, you gave me a tongue that I praised you with. And I began to speak in a language that I never, ever learned. And I never, ever understood But when I talk to you in that language, I find my spirit is lifted up to heaven and I'm sensing that I'm touching you like I've never touched you before. And God, I love that. And and I said, I remember when that happened the first time. And God, now I'm asking you, pick me up, put me back in the fire. And I've asked God, will you give me a different language to the first one? And I found myself speaking in a different language than what I got when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit. And that has happened a number of times. God, fill me up. I don't know where you're at, but, but I want to tell you, I'm, I'm in my 70th year around the sun. 
and use my definite purpose and my definite plan, friends. I am not going to go out with a whimper. I'm going to go out in a flame of fire. I want the fire of God to burn in me. I want the fire of God to fire me with purpose and destiny. I want to change my world with whatever's left of this life. I want to change my world, the world I touch every day, the world that I'm in in Peoria, as I touch the different people groups in this area, and as I go to the ends of the earth, if God sends me, I want to change my world by the power of Holy Spirit. Because it's not by my might or by my power, it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. Now next Sunday night, We're going to have a night of worship here at Riverside. It's going to happen at 6.30. And we are going to pray with people who are desperate for the baptism of Holy Spirit. People who say, fill me up, God. The Bible, as you go on through the book of Acts, I challenge you to read the, the book of Acts with an open mind and don't try and put all the church doctrine that's going around about the book of Acts into it. Just read it as it's written. You find that there were times where it says they lay hands on people and they received the baptism of Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. Now friends, next Sunday night, we're going to do what the Bible says. I, I, I don't really care that there's people out there that says that all that stuff finished in the Bible. Listen, I talked to the guy this week. Are you got time for this story? I, I talked to a guy and um, I, he said, I, I don't believe in, 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 in the gifts of the Spirit. I said, boy, sucks to be you at the judgment seat. No, I couldn't help it. That's what I said. I said, I said, why was Holy Spirit poured out in the first place? And he said, because Jesus wanted the church to go with power and to get started in power. But but he said, as you go through the New Testament, it all feeds out. I said, what are you on about? The book of Revelation is a book of prophecy, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I I said, listen, do you, you believe then that the church way back there in the book of Acts They needed Jesus and they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, absolutely they did. I said, listen, I think things are worse in our world today. And if they needed the power of the Holy Spirit, then we definitely need the power of Holy Spirit now. We need the power of God to fire us up, to take us out. So next Sunday night, we will pray for people. But some of you may be feeling, I can't wait till next Sunday night. Well, you can pray at home. You can get down by your bed. Just say, Holy Spirit, fill me and expect that he'll do it. But this morning, we have a prayer team here as well. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward, if you will. And as they do, you may want prayer. Now, you may want prayer for healing. You may want prayer because of situations that you're going through in your life. There may be problems that you need prayer for. You come forward with those things as well. But if you need the power of Holy Spirit, 
Let these people pray for you. They're not going to push you. They're not going to force anything on you. They're not going to blow on you. They're not going to do anything of that stuff, all right? All they're going to do is lay hands on you and pray and just say, God, fill them up. But if you need prayer, then the prayer team will pray for you. So prayer team, will you come forward? And we're going to sing a song uh, that's really asking Holy Spirit to come and to fill this house with His presence and with the blessing of God.